Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Today on the Investor Shed Podcast, we actually flipped the script and a pack of mustard, Joe Turner, interviews me, handsome leg man, Nick Beveridge. See you soon. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning, YouTube Nation. I am honored today to flip the tables on Nicholas Parker Beveridge and interview him about his investment journey. Thanks for being here, Nick. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be probably one of the most unique and and probably the best episode that we have. It better be. Because it stars me. Um, no, but honestly, I'd like to first just get a snapshot of where you are at and then we'll go back. We'll dig deep into your childhood and find out what made Nick Beveridge a successful investor, the master of investing in the North Idaho region. I thought you were going to say something completely different, but thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So what, where I'm at right now, um, this year, 2020 COVID year, um, Got five new construction homes being built that I've partnered with a guy on our team, Tyler, and another uh, and a builder. Um, so instead of fixing and flipping homes, I'm doing some new construction. Um, doing another house in Post Falls, so six, six actually. Um, buying a rental right now, a single-family house in Rathrum. Um, I have a total of eight rental units, six of which um, are houses and then some multifamily one one multifamily um yeah and um i think i'm i'm finally at a at a point i did the math um where if i were to quit what i'm doing completely um and fire everybody and quit the business and get on medicaid i should be able to (laughs) (laughs) the health insurance is a clincher but take Uh the kids out of daycare we, we, we'd actually be financially independent, which is a crazy Congratulations. Yeah. You. It's yeah. There's just, just enough rental income coming in um, above and beyond our mortgages and the, the expenses to where um, if we wanted to live real tight, we could do it and just not and we'd just sit at home and watch Netflix and, and we could retire. At, so that feels, that feels pretty good. At the age, it's not gonna happen. the ripe old age of 33, you've yeah. hit financial independence that's got to feel good thanks 13 years in the making yeah let's talk about the making a little bit so what is your earliest memory of real estate investing and the potential that this could possibly have in your life um my my earliest memory of real estate in general my my dad was a realtor so um for fun as a family almost every night we'd go out and look at properties because my mom was obsessed with houses and decoration. And um, so I got, a, at a very young age, a taste of just walking in and out of houses all day long, which is really, now that I think about it, quite, quite weird mm-hmm. for a family event. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good time it's to me. cheap entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I would say the first time where it actually clicked, that real estate is probably a good thing to get into. Um, I, I watched my, my parents got divorced when I was 16. We moved to Florida 
my with my mom i moved to florida with my mom um and she got a job at disney world um and she worked probably she was gone 12 hours a day with how much time it took her to drive there and uh work and come back and i remember that year full year i think she said she made about twelve thousand dollars um yeah as a with the job that she really liked doing um but um when she moved to florida when we moved there initially in 2005 or four sorry 2004 she bought a house a three-bedroom two-bath put i think twenty thousand dollars down which was her divorce money um and she bought a house i think around it was around 180 grand or so at the time it was a nice house and just over a year later she decided to sell it and move to phoenix and marry some other guy um so but what i saw was she made eighty six thousand dollars in profit on the sale of her house Mm -hmm. now i was only 18 years old so i didn't understand how real estate worked completely but in my head all i saw my my whole growing up to that point was just my parents would buy a house live in it for a while and anytime they sold it they made money Mm -hmm. and that and i noticed they didn't make much job income, but every time they sold a house, they made a big pile of cash. Mm-hmm. And it just clicked that she made 12 grand working her ass off at Disney World, mm-hmm. something that she, she liked doing, but it was still kind of a drag. Mm-hmm. Like she was obligated to go, but she made so much more just by selling a house that she lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was... That was a point where I just realized in my head, hey, real estate, just buying, uh, I should just go buy a house. And uh, that's how I'll make the real money. <laughs> right. So I didn't know much at that time still. So There's you're still 18. Of... Did mm-hmm. you go to college? No, but I bought a real estate um, class online. Okay. Um, and didn't finish it because I ended up moving to Phoenix. <laughs> it was for Florida to be a real estate agent in Florida. Um, I didn't go to college. Um, I had mixed emotions about college Mm -hmm. because at a very very young age like uh elementary school i remember seeing that pyramid of learning chart Mm -hmm. and if anybody doesn't know what i mean that's it's this little pyramid that they show you sometimes in grade school or high school and it shows you um how the how the brain retains information and how people learn and at the very top the least effective is reading and writing um and then the and then uh so i think it was like five or ten percent or fifteen percent in that category um and it it just thought i just thought in my head oh okay so schooling is not a very effective way to learn anything but then you know as you go down Mm -hmm. yeah retain information and as you go down the pyramid it just the very bottom where you retain almost 80 percent or more of what what you're trying to learn is just by getting out there and doing stuff, working a job. Mm-hmm. So I just had it in my head really early that, hey, if I want to be really smart in life or get have an edge over people, maybe I should just go get a bunch of different jobs mm-hmm. and learn that way. Real quick, what's a recap of some of the jobs that you did? There was a lot, a lot of, a lot of. So early, early on, from nine to ten years old, uh, I was a paper. I had a paper out. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was 13, I worked for my dad laying tile. When I was 14, I got a job at um, KFC. 
Then I worked in a pet store. Then I worked in another KFC, another fast food joint. I worked at a car wash in high school. I worked doing um, windshield repairs. Um, I worked as a snowboard instructor. I didn't know how to snowboard at the time, by the way. I just... I saw that they I were think hiring. that's a very telling story, <laughs> though. You got a job as a snowboard instructor, and you did not know how to snowboard. But I think no. that's telling of you just being like, well, I'm going to learn it. You just do it. You just buy the investment property, and then you YouTube it and figure it out. So yeah. that seems to be a theme. And it's not. And I don't want to mislead anybody. It's not like I didn't have any fear about getting a job as a snowboard instructor, not knowing how to snowboard. It was probably one of the scariest things I did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a kid, and in, I mean, prior to 18, I was awkwardly shy. Um, You're still awkward. Still, yeah. <laughs> Very, but super shy. I didn't talk much. Mm-hmm. I just thought a lot. Mm-hmm. All I, w- I would just think about things all day long, and I wouldn't say anything out loud, hardly ever. Hmm. It was really rough, you know, tw- first 20 years of my life where um, I just felt like, I had a lot to learn just by listening and watching. Mm-hmm. And every time I talked, I just felt stupid. That <laughs> and you have a speech impediment often. Yeah, I did. That probably <laughs> helped. Yeah, I, I do have a crazy speech impediment. You don't actually I, have I'm a speech impediment. He just mispronounces <laughs> words. And as a former speech therapist, I feel it my duty to correct him. But you're totally doing right. great. Thanks. <laughs> but, um, um, so, yeah, that was my... That was that was one of the more scarier things I did at the time was get a job as a snowboard instructor, knowing I didn't know how mm-hmm. to snowboard. But but I also, I I had this belief that I can pretty much learn anything mm-hmm. by doing, mm-hmm. and I I convinced myself, hey, if I just go pretend I know how to snowboard, they'll teach me the job, mm-hmm. and they did. So I was I was right about that. Mm-hmm. They they kind of they didn't they didn't know I didn't know how to snowboard. Maybe they did. I don't know. Looking back now. They probably there's, did. <laughs> there's probably a lot I thought I knew, and people just looked at me like, what an idiot. <laughs> but they gave me the job. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, let's jump into your first investment property or home purchase and sure. how that got started. So my very first home purchase, I was 20 years old, and uh, I bought – I lived in Coeur d'Alene at the time. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I bought a house in Kellogg because it was the only thing that I would qualified for. And prices were like half of what they were at the time in Kellogg versus what they were in Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene. So, Which is still true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just because of the pricing, I decided to go ahead and move out there, fix up this house, and I was going to move out and rent it out was the plan. Mm-hmm. And I just had it in my mind with very little real estate experience, just – knowing what my parents did. As long as I buy a house and then move out of it, I should make money. Mm-hmm. So, um, How'd that turn out? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I learned that, um, I learned location, location, location mm-hmm. was that there's a reason why people say that in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely means a lot. Um, I learned about cash flow. I learned about uh, mortgages. Mm-hmm. I learned all these things. I learned about plumbing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I learned uh, about roofing. I, 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 so I, I learned a lot, even though I, I lost that house. Um, Why did you lose the house? So I was uh, very young, 20 years old. I bought it with an FHA loan. Mm-hmm. 
my mortgage um, was close to 800 bucks a month, which looking back, that's not much. But at the time, it was it was a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I relocated to Kellogg and I started selling cars because that's what the main job was there. Mm-hmm. So I sold trucks for Daysmith Motors. And um, and every extra little bit that I had on my paycheck, I would sink it into the house and things that I thought might be important. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I did some of the dumbest repairs. <laughs> <laughs> I put a shower up because this place only had a bathtub in in the upstairs. Uh-huh. And the way the roof line worked, um, that you couldn't you couldn't turn it into a shower because you only had like three four feet of clearance mm-hmm. anyway. So I decided, hey, downstairs in the laundry room where there's a half bath, I'll put a shower down there because nobody's going to want to buy this house or rent it without a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hired a guy to help me put in a shower. And this is how dumb I was. We we blocked in the washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't think until after after the shower is up and I was working. I'm like, oh, nice. I can finally take a shower. Um, even though I was moving out of the house at that point anyway. I looked at the washer and dryer and I didn't realize until, until that point. Oh, if one of those breaks we can't get it out of here. Right. <laughs> was there, I guess you just have to see it, but if you can vision in your mind, the stand up shower in this tiny hallway of a um, half bathroom where the washer and dryer and a bathroom was, um, the only way you can get out this washer and dryer was to completely take them apart and maybe like hammer down the <laughs> flatten it somehow. It was really dumb. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. They, I'm sure somebody, had to probably rip out that shower just to get out the washer and dryer one day. <laughs> so how did you lose it? Were you foreclosed on? Yeah. So I decided to move to Florida. I, I had it available for rent. I put it with the management company. Um, and I saw at the time uh, the market started collapsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 2008 now, 2009-ish. Um, and I saw that prices in Florida were like a fraction of what they were. Because I remember my mom buying a house for 180 something, and then she sold it for I think around 260 something, uh, and then I saw the same houses in that same neighborhood were going for like 80 grand, mm-hmm. and I just thought to myself, man, I need to go down there and figure out how to buy real estate. Mm-hmm. So um, I did. I I moved down there. Um, my house did not rent. Um, it, it went almost one year before it rented out. Um, and in the meanwhile, as soon as I moved down to Florida, I started getting, I started having seizures, mm. which was a new thing for me mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so that was tough. I got my old job as a lifeguard back at Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was working there, just a, just a couple of months in, um, I started having these seizures. I didn't have any health insurance. I couldn't afford to go see a doctor, so I went to like this free doctor in the ghetto that I had to wait in line mm-hmm. <laughs> for like a day and a half to get into. And he said, Oh, you're just having anxiety attacks here. Take some Benadryl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I think it, it was just a week later, I had a full on grandma seizure and woke up in the hospital. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so they wouldn't let me work at Disney world anymore as a lifeguard, um, with a history of seizures. Um, so I went unemployed uh, didn't get any government assistance because they thought <clears throat> seizures is not a uh, disability. Hmm. But I couldn't work. I couldn't even, I couldn't even take a shower without somebody watching me at the time, mm-hmm. um, in case I would fall and hit my head or something. 
-hmm. And I was having like four seizures a day for a solid couple of months. So just those, those two months really ruined me um, financially Mm -hmm. and mentally and emotionally and all that stuff. Um, they put me on some medication that kind of messed with my psyche and didn't help with the seizures at all. But, um, I had some bad depression side Mm -hmm. effects. Um, when I came out of that, I felt like I was a new person though. How did you pull yourself out of that? I didn't. It was a medication. Oh. The medication I was on was really, um, anyway, that's, that's what, I was just on the wrong medication for two months. Mm -hmm. Then they put me on this old school medication that didn't have any brain side effects, thankfully. Uh And it worked. I, I haven't had a seizure since they put me on that. So now you're in Florida. You lost your house. You're yeah. homeless. Well, I didn't lose it yet. Okay. It was rented out, but it was the cash flow was negative. Gotcha. By a lot, like four hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. But I had no income, mm-hmm. um, and no government assistance. I eventually got Idaho unemployment after a few months, mm-hmm. um, but it was just enough to just enough to pay the bills. But I, it wasn't enough to pay the. I, I had to rack up some credit cards just to survive. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any food, so I actually lost like forty pounds. Um, so it was just it was just a real awkward time in my life that mm-hmm. I'm just glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can't pay the mortgage; you're four hundred dollars under, and so you finally decided to short sell the property. I um I tried that, yeah. Okay. So I put it up with an agent. Um, and she, she was telling me at the time, you know, there's, because the market was so bad, mm-hmm. um, we, we put it, I bought that house for like 86 grand and put like 15 into it. So I was in it about a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and she put it on the market for $35,000 Oh my gosh! and it wouldn't sell. Wow. And nothing would sell in the town though at the time. Mm-hmm. Location, location, location mm-hmm. <laughs> was a big thing. Right. Um, I think she had like that quarter like three houses selling Kellogg or something like that. Wow. It was pretty, it was in one of the worst times ever to try to sell something mm-hmm. in that market at that time. Um, but I, um, I talked to my bank about it and they said, well, you can do a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Okay. And so that's when you voluntarily foreclose on the property and, and you keep it in good, you keep the property in good shape and make sure it's in broom swept condition. So I'd hire somebody to clean it mm-hmm. after a tenant moved out. Um, and they even sent me two grand giving them the keys Hmm. so it was it wasn't as bad as a foreclosure Mm -hmm. but um it was still on your record for probably it was was still on my record yeah Mm -hmm. i ended up doing bankruptcy because i racked up a bunch of hospital bills with the seizures Mm -hmm. um i had um i don't know 50 grand or so in random hospital bills that i just couldn't pay for um i probably could have figured it out but at the time um i I couldn't imagine, mm-hmm. you know, anything else other than bankruptcy. I remember hearing a uh, bankruptcy ad on the radio mm-hmm. that I just decided to go after. And I, I had like 1200 bucks left in my bank. I didn't even have enough to pay the bankruptcy attorney. They wanted 1500 mm-hmm. I negotiated it down to 1200 bucks, mm-hmm. gave them all, all my money just to bankrupt myself mm-hmm. on everything and just kind of have a fresh start. Right. So yeah. now you have a fresh start. You're on the right medication. Yep. What's your next step? So I started selling real estate. Okay. I got my real estate license in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually let me back at Disney, but not as a lifeguard. I had to work in the arcade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I just kind of had to 
start from scratch. I didn't have a car either. Mm -hmm. Um, How was that showing houses without a car? Well, I had this little scooter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, this little Yamaha Vino 125 Mm -hmm. that could get up to 55 miles an hour if I was, when I was lighter, when I put on some pounds, Mm -hmm. then it would go 50. (laughs) (laughs) tell me more yeah um but i found somebody on craigslist that was willing to trade it for this um honda rebel which is a chick bike but it's a step up it was able to go a little faster (laughs) was it pink it was white okay a white motorcycle so i i drove that for my first um three months or so in real estate until Mm -hmm. i three or four months until i got um i think my second house closing i was able to buy a cheap car Mm mm-hmm um, and it was nice not to have to show houses in the rain because in Florida, it would rain heavily sometimes. Right. Um, I bet that was dangerous on the yeah, scooter. It was. So anyway, I just dealt with it. And I, I joked around with people all the time like, oh, I thought it was a nice day for a ride. thought it was a nice day for a ride. <laughs> I'm just not telling people, oh, I don't have a car. <laughs> so your first um, year in real estate, how did you do? I sold 14 houses. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive in the market that was at the time correct yeah well i thought it was i thought it was good for me because i didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. um in the area Mm -hmm. um i didn't have a vehicle and uh, had no experience um didn't know the area either that well Mm -hmm. so i had to kind of learn as i go but i just you know i just put a lot of hours you can figure out a lot Mm -hmm. um i i fortunately joined keller williams realty and they have great training so i just took advantage of all their training Mm -hmm. constantly um, they had a lot of great agents that I was able to mentor, you know, just like kind of force mentorships out of uh-huh. <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked out agreements with probably five or six different agents to just send me any trash leads that you can possibly find. And I'll try to work them and convert them and mm-hmm. pay you referral fees on. And I started doing that and it worked um, almost my first year. But I think maybe 12 of those 14 I paid referrals on well. that were trash like zillow leads or something Mm -hmm. email only those kind of like leads that agents didn't have time or even want to bother right with yeah right okay so you do 14 deals down there how long did you stay down there um i stayed for a total i think of um it was 2010 to mid 2012 ish Mm -hmm. um and uh, I decided, uh, and I, I had, I was, I was, I had a girlfriend this whole time, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved back up to Idaho together. We felt like Idaho was more, felt like more like at home. We were starting to miss friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt like at the time I can be, I can be successful at anything. I just kind of had that mind, like a heart, like not, I don't know, it might sound cocky, but I just felt like if I can get through that, mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take a break from real estate. I, I still was active and I was still referring people in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved back up to Idaho. Um, I got a car. I got a job at this um, like kind of like a juvenile type of troubled kids home. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where I just kind of watched after teenagers did recreational activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned really quickly that getting back into a job wasn't for me mm-hmm. and I, I really enjoyed being self-employed mm-hmm. even though I felt like I worked a lot more hours mm-hmm. feel like it was more free to me mm-hmm. so um so I got licensed again and started selling real estate in Idaho and went to some seminars with my brother on real estate investing got more 
um, motivated again to and remembered, oh, yeah, I want to invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost forgot that I wanted to invest in real estate, you know, just because of what I, what I went through. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got my license in Florida was I wanted to invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. And then I just got I just got distracted and started working with investors and home buyers and Canadians. I worked with a lot of Canadians buying vacation houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost just just totally forgot that I should be buying real estate. Just at the time, it just felt impossible because mm-hmm. I didn't know how. Right. Yeah. All right. So now you're back in Idaho. How old are you? Uh, 25, I believe. 25. Yeah. And you you got your Idaho license and you joined a team. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, I, I got on with Keller Williams again in a, another office here in Coeur d'Alene. Um, joined a, a really high producing team, but it was a small team at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot from them. Uh, worked with them for about a year as a buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. And I learned um, mostly that um, I was never going to be as motivated to work on somebody else's team than if I were then to grow my own business. And I really appreciate, you know, all the mentorship that they gave me because selling real estate in Idaho versus Florida is very different Mm -hmm. um, as far as property wise and what to what to know with property client like the clientele is pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, I just learned, I got to learn a lot about land and septic systems and wells and stuff, things that I didn't have to learn in Florida. Right. Um, I learned a lot more about HOAs in Florida and condos and townhouses and cookie cutter communities and pools. Right. <laughs> um, and up here, it's a very, very different landscape. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, buy, but all the training that I got in the, you know, the mindset of the buyer and the seller was all the same. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, so your first year back, you're doing real estate. You didn't mention your Olive Garden job, but I'm pretty sure you were oh, yeah. killing it well, as a, a waiter. <laughs> you could not pronounce a single item on the menu, but um, you yeah. still did it. <laughs> so, so my first year back in real estate <laughs> in Idaho was really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I had it all figured out because I uh, selling I sold cars again in between mm-hmm. getting my starting real, starting real estate and that troubled boys home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked at this that the car place again. And saved up 10, got divorced, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I, but I was able to, right after I got divorced, I was able to save money pretty fast, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saved up $10,000, which was the fir- a first for me, mm-hmm. being able to save that much. From the car sales? Yep. And I felt that was enough money to um, quit my job and get right into real estate again. Mm-hmm. And I'd have six months of savings. But I think it also kind of... Um, uh, kind of enabled me a little bit to not work as hard mm-hmm. as I did when I was struggling. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you're you're back into real estate, not quite making a ton of sales, no. but but you came across an in your your first investment property here, correct? Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So my um, I met um, I met a lady at one of these investor seminars. Mm-hmm. Um, she's now a great Keller Williams agent in Spokane. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we both went through this three-day seminar of how to invest in real estate. And um, and we just stayed in touch. And she sent me a lead that her cousin just inherited this house in Rathrum. Mm-hmm. And it's a fixer-upper. And I might be interested in listing it or buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, walked through it with my um, 
with my team leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very filthy house. Mm-hmm. Um, meth has just destroyed this place. Um, and we both thought, yeah, we can, we should be able to sell this on the market for like $65,000 or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I, when I got in touch with the seller to let him know, cause he lived out of state, mm-hmm. um, he said, well, um, you know, Yvette, his cousin mm-hmm. said that you're, you're an investor. Do you want to just buy it? And I said, actually, I would, I was thinking about making you an offer, but it's, it's going to be lower than what we can list it for. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, try me. What do you got? And I said like 40, I think I said $43,000 or something like that. And he said, well, would you do 44? <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. And, and I remember my team leader was right there beside me mm-hmm. and he overheard the conversation and he immediately wrote on a sticky note and he's just immediately, he's like, right, uh, lock it up right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it was encouraging to see that, that a guy who was more experienced in real estate mm-hmm. be like, Hey, you got, you got to lock this up. You got to buy this. Mm-hmm. So that, that was good to hear. Um, so I ended up getting on that under contract. It was, it was still going through probate. It took like six months to actually close on it. Mm-hmm. But at that time, didn't have the money to do a fix and flip. Um, but we, we were able to figure it out and get a hard money loan. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I did the work together on that house. Long story short, we made 44 grand that um, my brother and I got to split. Mm-hmm. And it was more money than I made. It was... I think I made $13,000 that year in real estate sales. Wow. Um, but I made, you know, my brother and I made 44 grand on that one house flip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what kind of sparked the, uh, maybe I should put more focus into investing than real estate sales. Gotcha. Yeah. So what happened next then? Did you stay with the team that you were on um, as a buyer's agent? No, I, I... I said, thank you very much. I don't think I can be as motivated as you want me to. And he totally understood. He He's, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He, he said, yeah, you're, you're more of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not meant for this. And he was right. I was, and I went and I, I, I kept my license, obviously. I'm still licensed. Mm-hmm. I still sell real estate. But um, but I took this KPA that Keller Williams has. Mm-hmm. And it is a newer technology to kind of match your personality with your job profiles mm-hmm. that you might do well at. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a buyer's agent, I scored like 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really should be at like an 80 or 80% or more mm-hmm. to be in a job that will fit you well. So it was clear that the buyer's agent role didn't fit me mm-hmm. before and after I took that. Um, would you so test the highest for single agent or mega agent? Mm-hmm. Um, and a mega agent is somebody who grows a team. Um, so I knew, um, I knew I actually knew I wanted to do that grow a team back when I first heard about it in Florida mm-hmm. when I j- got with Keller Williams because when I got my license back then I was thinking a real estate agent would be a temporary thing or just something that I can use to help my investing career since it was going so horribly anyway mm-hmm. I should learn more um, but I remember this Gary Keller talking about you can actually grow a business by growing a team and I started reading that red book mm-hmm the millionaire real estate. <laughs> the <laughs> light just, just went, went out. out. Let's take a quick pause and I'm going to check. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I think you were just about talking about, you read a book, the red book you called it, which is called the millionaire real estate agent. Yes. 
Yeah. And there's also... I, sometimes I forget people are listening, <laughs> and I should probably <laughs> explain, explain what I'm talking about. Yeah, explain about. that and the Blue Book and okay. Teams a little bit for people sure. that don't know. Okay. So um, I want everybody to think about, think about um, being a dentist and think about um, running your own practice. And, um, and somebody comes into your office to get their teeth worked on. There's all these people waiting in the waiting room, and your dentist is there answering the call, answering the phones, signing for packages. They're cleaning. He's running around trying to clean teeth, trying to give people consults, and doing all these all these things with no staff. There's very very little difference between that kind of weird scenario and a single real estate agent without a team. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, being a real estate agent, the reason why there's such a high divorce rate and the reason why they tend to go crazy is because once they get enough business and a steady supply of clients, it's really hard to keep up with if they're the only ones doing everything because you're running a full business. You're you're doing marketing, you're doing accounting, you're doing um, calls, mm-hmm. um, you're going on appointments, you're scheduling appointments, you're listing homes, you're trying to schedule um, showings with appraisers and all these things. And when you're, when we have multiple things going on, it is just not, it's not very, um, intuitive to do it all on your own. Effective. It's not very effective. It's, it's one of the worst things you could do if you really think about it is try to do it all on your own. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's just the way the real estate agent world is. Mm -hmm. And there's such a high turnover, Mm -hmm. very high turnover because, Two reasons. It's really easy to become an agent. Mm-hmm. You only have to put about two months of work into getting your license. Um, and then any brokerage will quote unquote hire you. Mm-hmm. You're not really hired. You pay them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, and most, most agents are out within their first year or two because either there's not enough business or there's, or there's just enough business that you can't keep up with. Right. Um, and you have to be patient, too, because what's the average time between meeting a potential client and actually getting a paycheck? Um, I don't know everybody's averages, but I know mine. Mm-hmm. Mine was 18 months. Right. was my average. So if I and I and I, I, I found that out over time mm-hmm. just by, you know, what was the first time I had contact with them? And I don't delete emails so I can I can easily find these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the first time I had talk, contact with somebody? And then what was their actual close date on a house, either buying or selling? Mm-hmm. And my average is a year and a half. Wow. Um, now, that doesn't mean it took a year and a half to close my first deal. Mm-hmm. That's just an average. Right. Um, some are longer, some are much shorter. Mm-hmm. But um, the real estate agent world is a lot more different than they what they represented on TV. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's so much easier to do your job and have a life if you have admin support mm-hmm. and buyer's agents and listing agents. Um, Which takes that, time. It's not, that's not an easy yeah. process either. But in the long run, would you say it's worth it versus just struggling as a single agent to do everything? Completely. For me, it is. Mm-hmm. It, but it's not going to be for everybody. Right. De- definitely not for everybody because there's a lot of tough things. You have. Sometimes you have to fire people, mm-hmm. which is really hard. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things to do. Um, sometimes you have to hire people, which is really hard. What would you say is the overall to, key to having a successful team? 
Well, I think we've proven that culture has a lot to do with it because a lot of things can be learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't change somebody's behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so just hiring the right culture fit can really make a difference. And talent. People yeah. that are intrinsically motivated to do that specific role, whether it's an admin support or yeah. buyers. People agent. that fit the culture and they're actually motivated mm-hmm. to show up because yeah. unless they're a paid admin on payroll, mm-hmm. um, you can't require an independent contractor buyer's agent to show up mm-hmm. or listing it. You can't require somebody to show up. I mean, you can make it kind of a policy and say, okay, you can't work with us after a certain time, but it, it gets awkward mm-hmm. because, you know, part of the freedom of having your real estate license is your, the freedom to schedule what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we can go into real estate agent world all day long but um right i was just gonna back up for a second yeah. so where we kind of left off you just made forty four thousand with your brother on this flip you yeah. just left a kind of a team to be more solo let's talk about how you had the idea to start a real estate investment meetup because i think that yes. really propelled things to come yeah and that was another thing that was like the um back to when I was in high school and I got a job as a snowboard instructor. Mm-hmm. Like what business do I have to starting a meetup when I only had one flip under my belt mm-hmm. and I was working on my second. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I just did it anyway. And it turned out there was a need. Um, there's, there's a need out there. When there's a need out there, you might as well just fill it um, and you'll do well is what I've learned over time. Mm-hmm. If you can offer value to the community in a niche where there's a need for it, and there, there was a need for a meetup group in Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. for agents. Couldn't really find anything. And um, the only thing close was in Spokane, and you had to pay for it. And mm-hmm. they just pitched you products. Um, so I wanted to do things what a little bit What kind of products? Like real estate school, right? Real estate education or whatever guest speaker they had. They were always pitching something. And I think the – and there's nothing wrong with this, but that group, you know, would make half of whatever that guest speaker tried to sell them. Mm-hmm. I just – I wanted a networking group – not only to help myself, but to help the community mm-hmm. and to be just a legit hangout spot mm-hmm. where you don't feel that awkwardness. Okay, here comes the sales pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I just like, could I affect it? Could I do that and still be profitable? And yes, because I also have my real estate license and half, more than half of the job is just trying to bring in uh, clients mm-hmm. to work with. Mm-hmm. What, what better way to do it than to just start a meetup group where people just come to you instead of you always having to try to get to other mm-hmm. get to people um, and most people will work with the first agent they meet face to face so that's why people work so hard at getting appointments why not just try to get 30 to 50 a night mm-hmm. <laughs> once a month mm-hmm. not not a, per night but um, so I just kind of thought that way that was that's the way my mind's always worked is how can I do things? more effectively while still serving people um, and and really adding value. Um, I'm a huge Tony Robbins buff, so mm-hmm. that I really kind of take to heart, like trying to do good things and things will come back at you. Right. Um, so you start this meetup. Was it a hit right away? Yeah. Yeah, the first night we had over 40 people. Wow. Did you do a lot of advertising or how do you think, why do you think that was so successful? Well, I went to a lot of seminars and mm-hmm. I kept people's names and cards. Gotcha. Um, and any and I invited just about everybody um, that I thought might be interested mm-hmm. in networking 
And then you also, you have to take it a step further. You're like, why would I need a network if I want to invest in real estate? You know, well, we're, we're going to try to have hard money, you know, private money lenders, there, contractors, regular lenders, title people, other experienced season investors, um, agents, all these people that you're going to need to put a transaction together anyway. So might as well just meet people mm-hmm. and learn something while you're at it. Um, so that's what I've always tried to do is get a big room together of people that, um, you can do real estate investing just in that room. You know, there's, here's a wholesaler that has a deal. Mm-hmm. Here's a money guy that can fund it. Here's a contractor that can help you through the process. Mm-hmm. And voila, here's the agent right here in front of your face that can help you sell that mm-hmm. once it's ready to go. So that's, that's the approach I took. And it took like six months before it was actually effective in my business. Okay. So it was another just time average thing. Right where I didn't see any results for quite a while, six mm-hmm. months or more. Um, but I just, I kept doing it because I had to. I put it online mm-hmm. and I reserved the room for the first Thursday of each month. Um, so I figured that's my one consistent lead generation um, activity that I can't, that I have to commit to and I can't not show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I can just do that, I should be successful as an agent mm-hmm. because successful agents they call every day they they try to make a certain amount of contacts to try to get a certain amount of appointments per day mm-hmm. or per week um and i figured yeah if i can get like somewhat 30 appointments per month that's pretty damn good mm-hmm. um okay. so i'll just focus on trying to get people in this room and offer them really what they want which is a place to network with each other right. contractors lenders that kind of stuff and then just a real passive hey if you need me here's my card mm-hmm. or let's go have coffee right and how many deals do you think have come, both personal flips or rentals you've acquired in real estate sales? I'd say probably half of my personal transactions have come out of that group. Mm-hmm. The other half, probably the MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, and just transactions in general, I mean, it makes up a big percentage. Like, what, what do you think it is, 40% or more? Yeah, um, well, now, you know, if you count referrals from the clients that we've met in that group yeah. and things it's like hard that. To, it's hard to track at this mm-hmm. point because right. so much of it spawned from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew the team out of it. I met you there. You did four magical years ago. <laughs> you just had your baby. You almost canceled the meeting. I did. That's what you said. You said you were almost not going to go because you just had your... Just had a baby. Had a baby. Yep. And so, but, okay, so that was... You were doing a couple flips. Had you kept any as rentals? kind of um, at that point later that year that mm-hmm. first that 2015 year I bought my first rental again mm-hmm. um, and I made sure that I wasn't going to get foreclosed on this time because mm-hmm. it was the first time I bought a house with the intentions of keeping it mm-hmm. since you know um, and you went back like out to the Silver Valley for years. that one I did yeah location 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 <laughs> but this this one was a better location in the Silver Valley. Mm. So that was something. I, I mean, I did not not learn from that mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't buy at the peak of the market. Mm-hmm. I bought a house for $29,000 um, that was that was um, adjacent to the Trail of Coeur d'Alene's bike trail um, that had just already been renovated uh, just a you know, few years before I bought it. I still needed to put some money into it. It was a bank-owned property, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and the payments were $300 or mm-hmm. so, and I was able to rent it for 850 Nice. 
Um, so is that so, your first taste of cash flow that yeah, made sense? It was my first taste of cash flow. Um, and it felt really good to do the Burr strategy. I eventually, you know, refinanced out of that hard money loan with a hard money loan, you know, it was like 300 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was cash flowing, but, um, yeah, I got to do the Burr strategy when I finally qualified for mortgages again, a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I got to pull some money out of it. I still have a very low, I owe like 50 grand on that house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth, I think 130 or 150. And you're still like that, cash maybe. flowing on it? Yep. I've been cash flowing ever, every year. So um, how, you said you're up to eight doors. Do you yeah. manage them yourself? Um, I man, well, my wife and I manage an Airbnb cabin that we have. Okay. And then, a um, one unit in this fourplex, um, in the basement that we were going to do like this monthly rental that turned into an Airbnb that the very first guests that we had, they turned into a long-term renter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty simple. I use cozy and I don't really hear from them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, other than that, I, I like prop, I like the property manager that I have. Um, I feel like they're definitely worth the money and it's, I feel like I can scale a lot more with the property manager. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as I buy at the right price, as long as it cash flows with the 8% that I pay in there, mm-hmm. um, then I can buy as many as I want. Right. But if I was trying to do it all myself, mm-hmm. I, I might be limited. What's your philosophy handle. on single family homes versus multifamily versus apartment buildings? Like what is your goal with rentals? Um, well, I think I think they all work. Mm-hmm. I think my preference is a single family home. Okay. Because I feel like the demand is there a lot more in the single family market in this area. Um, people want to rent single family homes, typically over an apartment. Mm-hmm. I feel like an apartment or a multifamily dwelling is always a temporary move, and people don't treat it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you share walls, you have tenant issues, mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Right. Um, even, but the, you know, the, the fourplex that I have, it provides amazing cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, but it's going to be harder to sell, I think, mm-hmm. than a single family house that I have. Right. So if I, if I just needed to offload a property, you can sell a single family home much faster. Right. Um, and they're more desirable, desirable to rent, easier to manage. Mm-hmm. So what's your goal for the number where you just hit financial independence? Yeah. But, but you, you could, you could get by, but I'm sure you don't seem like a kind of person that just wants to get by. So do you have a, a number like that your family really wants to hit monthly? You know, I thought about this a lot mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'll say here and there, you know, I want a couple hundred single family homes, but even if, if I get to a couple hundred, I'm not going to stop there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have an end game. I'm just going to keep buying. Yeah. Um, when I find good deals. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'll never have enough income or cash flow because I can always put it to good use. Yeah. And someday I'd like to solve bigger problems than housing. Um, like I really look up to Elon Musk because he solves like big problems. You do have his um, photo on your <laughs> office wall. Do you want to tell us the other people yeah, on your get, wall? So I've got three black and white photos of profile photos of people behind my desk. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Gary Keller, and Elon Musk. 
Um, and I feel like with Arnold, you know, he went through a lot to get where he is mm -hmm. and just through pure grit. Mm -hmm. um, Elon used his brain and um, Gary Keller really used people. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like if I can combine all three of their, um, what they do really well, um, yeah, maybe I can be on somebody's wall one day. But that's Aww. a long, long time away. Yeah. That's so long. Look at you. You're 33. You went from homeless, bankrupt, divorced. Your wife left you. Nick. Yeah, she did. And uh, she had a good reason. <laughs> no, she 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 fell in love she with somebody from work. Else. You did, yeah. Yeah. But even that, I know we've had a conversation that even with that, um, and we could talk a little bit about some of your favorite books, but we've talked about extreme ownership. And even though your wife left you for another guy, you didn't cheat her on her. You didn't really do anything no. wrong, You, but you still take responsibility for that. Right, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I could have paid more attention to her. Mm -hmm. I just didn't. Um, I could have tried to be there more for her, spend more time with her, drink more with her, whatever. <laughs> yeah, she was an alcoholic. <laughs> I don't know if that was the answer. Um, but, um, yeah, I just let her drift away, and I'm, I'm glad it happened because we weren't really meant to be with each other. Uh -huh. She didn't want kids. I wanted yeah. kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm now with um, a great wife that I'm pretty sure we'll be together for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we have kids now, and it's um, we, have sim we, we have shared long-term value goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I, what I just needed. So yeah, the last marriage fell apart because it was just never meant to be. Right. Yeah. So I, would I, you say a couple other books or, or like you mentioned Tony Robbins earlier, what have been like great podcasts or mentors, you know, in the world that other people could access? Yeah. So if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yet, um, I think that's always a good first start or listen to the audio. Um, because that will definitely change, it will definitely change the way you look at money and, um, like a complete 180 with most people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a, just like a foundational book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. Um, everything else is just kind of just an added bonus. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. So I guess there's a few, it depends on what your goals are. Like, uh, how to win friends and influence people really kind of helped me with my, total awkwardness of how to deal with people. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that really kind of helped me become more likable with the people that I want them to like me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, and then um, Think and Grow Rich really helped, um, really helped me get through kind of a, a tougher time as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think at this point, all other books um, are more entertainment yeah, or just good reminders, you know? yeah. like Extreme Ownership or um, Jordan Peterson. I know you like him. Right? Yeah, 12. yeah. there's a lot of other great books out there. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson, 12, uh, 12 Rules for Life. Mm -hmm. um, that, okay, yeah, I guess that was more than just entertainment. That was, that was really helpful if you're, if you're feeling like lost or unbalanced. It's just good reminders too because you can, you can get lost or all in on investments and searching for the next deal too, but if the rest of your life is falling apart or you're not being, you know, true to yourself, then, then it's going to affect everything. So yeah. 
I know um, the one thing is another book by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan about, you know, you really got to look at all of your life, you know, <laughs> your family, your friends, yeah. how are you doing in all those realms too. And if you get too lost down the rabbit hole of investing, I don't, I don't think you'd be as successful as you are if, you know, if you didn't keep that balance, would you yeah. agree? No, I think, I think that's totally right. I think that there are, there are definitely different cycles of the wheel that you can run on and focus. I think whatever you give, you give your most focus to, you start losing it in other areas and you just have to mm -hmm. try to figure out what you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. I remember I was a huge conspiracy nut, um, <laughs> before I got divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, and that probably, let, that was probably some Tell of the reason too. Tell us about too. your survival kit. Yeah. So <laughs> I really geared up for 2012. <laughs> 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 Had a lot of expired, a lot of food that expired five years ago. We finally threw out the other day. <laughs> um, but like, no, I, I, I feel like you can, you know, you can put focus into whatever you want, and that is your reality. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I kind of realize that now that if you're ever in a bad mood or upset about something. Um, you could just change your focus and, and your whole world will change along with it. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that, like if picture you're at a party, um, like a huge house party with all kinds of things going on and you got your like relationship breakups and people jumping off the roof, having fun and other people puking over here and a murder maybe in the backyard <laughs> or something <laughs> crazy stuff going on. Um, but if you walk into that house and you have just these like this little goggles on and and you can't see anything but just one thing at a time that party is going to look very different mm -hmm. um you're you're going to have a very different um reality right if, based off what you focus on and what that party's like to you mm -hmm. um i don't know i'm probably getting way off base here but i feel like you can you can absolutely change your attitude and mindset almost in an instant just by changing what you're focusing on and something and i kind of realized this too about a year ago my wife and i were in, we had this bad attitude for probably a couple of months and i didn't know why but we were watching the sopranos we were binge watching it for a couple of months and I felt like maybe that had something to do with it because it was not, you know, it was an entertaining show, but people are just angry the whole time in the show. And there's, <laughs> uh -huh. and then we, sw and then right after that, we started binge watching for a couple of months, the office. Oh, and, just and we were in such a great mood all the time. And I didn't figure it out till maybe halfway through we were watching the office. I'm like, I think this might have something to do with our attitudes. It's just what we're focusing on. Yeah. Um, little, little theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, as now tell what, tell us where your team is at. And I think yeah. some of that applies to your ability to put out fires and remain calm. I mean, how many people are on your team now? Yeah. So we've got, so, uh, Joe, you started with me four years ago and I said, mm -hmm. I made you a promise. If you, if you do really good your first year and sell, what is it? 24 houses mm -hmm. at least. Um, you can be my 50, 50 partner. And why don't you help me grow a team there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause you're better with people. And, and I will admit when I first met Nick, I just thought, what were you? 28, 29, something like that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this kid in the lime green shirt, cause I'm much older, <laughs> way older. <laughs> um, I didn't, I mean, I liked that. I went to his meeting. I liked, uh, I liked what he was doing, but um, he seemed a little serious and kind of awkward. 
and then he made me this offer. It was really hard to turn down. I mean, who who doesn't want to get trained and have the chance to be 50-50 partners in a business that was already on its way, be, you know, established? And within the first week or two, he showed me some YouTube videos he'd made with his friends growing up, and just his personality <laughs> came out more and his awkwardness and his authenticity. I think that's key to your success, too. Like, when you just let those guards down and you listen to people and joke around and just be yourself, then it's like, oh, this is going to be really fun. And then I knew yeah. that we were going to be able to grow something cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. And we've, we've had a lot of fun these last yeah. few years growing the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, um, when I first, when I first met you, um, I just, I just knew I had to have you on the team <laughs> because you were one of the only new agents. Cause I've seen a lot of new agents at that point coming into the coming into the business or just getting started you're one of the only ones talking like oh i just can't wait to go door knocking <laughs> <laughs> and i want to buy more rent uh, you know i want to buy rental investments all this stuff and i'm just like holy shit you're you need to be on this team mm-hmm. you need to help grow this with me because i knew i would grow, grow a team someday but i also knew i needed somebody just like gary keller needed mo anderson mm-hmm. um to help build a big company because you were going to be i'm going to be awkward with most people i meet Mm-hmm. We've already established that. <laughs> You're not. But if we can grow it together, I don't care if you get half of all the income that comes in. Well, just tell about um, what was your salary the year before I joined you. Yeah. So before, I think the year before you joined me, I think I made $62,000 and I was $200 away from still really good. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I gave you... All my buyers. And I did not have many listings. I was not a great listing agent. Even though I was, I was good at it, but I was not good at getting listings. Mm-hmm. I was really good at selling properties. Not good at getting mm-hmm. the business. Um, so 80% of my business was with buyers. And I gave all of them to you, right? Pretty much. Even my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you were able to convert everybody. Pretty much that I handed you. Um, and then any listing appointments I went on, you went with me, which mm-hmm. was great. And you helped me close those because it was like two people come to a listing appointment, awkward guy that knew numbers, social butterfly that can build relationships. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a, um, it was a good team mm-hmm. effort to pretty much our conversion ratios went way up. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next year made close to a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Um, so income went up quite a bit by giving away a lot of the business. Um, and then the next year, what do we make? 200 grand mm-hmm. each. <laughs> um, so, um, it just, when you're giving away stuff, it doesn't mean that you're, you're not going to make more money as a result. I think that's always been key to your success since I've known you too, is coming from that mindset of abundance. You even mm-hmm. help me sometimes when I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should give this lead to the team. And you're always encouraging to give it away. It'll come back even more, you know, yeah. and coming from that mindset of how it's much can I give and there. serve. And, and it just is crazy how that has played out, I think. Yeah. Well, you got to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't believe it, it's not going to work out probably. Yeah. You probably won't let it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what I think I do well is I, I'll believe something and I'll stick to it. And I'll only adjust after a couple of years if it's not working out. Because I, because like, the average lead takes almost eighteen months for me mm-hmm. to close, so I don't really know after, until after a couple of years if something's not working. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so now you have. So we brought on, 
we've we've been through a couple of a couple of buyers agents couple of only three or so have left the team Mm -hmm. but um right now we've got um uh one two three three agents with us full-time and two admin Mm -hmm. does that sound right Mm -hmm. am i missing somebody (laughs) and then we have another company ginger snap media we provide um real estate photography mm-hmm. and videos for real estate agents. And we're not doing that. We just have the company and we have a couple employees that do an amazing job of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you'll always be a serial entrepreneur starting new businesses? Yeah. Like about kites or about kites. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a no, kite business? balloon business? Didn't you have a, Oh <laughs> yeah, that was a joke business. <laughs> <laughs> but ser- even though they're jokes, <laughs> every joke. week you guys are coming up with yeah, new always ideas. Coming always is, coming up with ideas. If you're, you know, the, what do they say that the reticulating, reticular activating system, whatever Tony Robbins talks about. If you're constantly thinking about it and generating new ideas and looking for opportunities, you're going to find them. You're going to keep doing it. And same with finding investment properties. I feel yeah. like that's top of mind. You're listening to podcasts. You have these meetings. You're always doing it. Oh, and guess what? You come across deals now, good deals, I would say at least once a month still. Yeah. When people are saying we're in a market where you can't find flips or. It's probably more than once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but do they have the option to jump on it? Maybe, yeah, closer once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I come across deals probably once a week. The deal of the century comes along once a week, even in a hot market like mm-hmm. this. Um and you may be asking, why would you be buying deals in such a hot market? But like, I also look at what our interest rates doing and mm-hmm. and what a difference that makes over 30 years if you're planning on keeping a mortgage versus waiting for the market to go down a little. Right. <laughs> and potentially interest rates to skyrocket. Let's touch real quick on, so we're in the summer of 2020. COVID yeah. is still going crazy and unknown kind of where that's going. How has that affected your business in this area? Well, I was, uh, so I put out a, a video that got a lot of activity back in March when Gary Keller came on this, our screens mm-hmm. at, on the back office and said, hey, get ready. The market's shifting right now. Mm-hmm. Get ready f- to pivot, start doing this. You know, that this COVID has, has started this and um, get ready for all your business to stop, <laughs> cut expenses. Um sell your investments, that kind of stuff. So I, 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 I turned around and I made a video for the public and, and, and said, Hey, this is what we had just learned from Keller Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what's happening. We probably recommend if, if you have to sell your property, sell it now, if you have to buy, if you want to buy something, but you're only going to be there for a couple of years, maybe don't buy right now, but if it's going to be 10 years plus, I think you'll be okay buying. Cause I kind of broke it down with, with interest pay down and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or with the mortgage pay downs, you should be okay. It's just guessing. Interest rates are still good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was totally wrong. This um, our North Idaho market has only gotten ten times busier. Like it wasn't busy enough already mm-hmm. due to COVID. Um, people are moving away from big cities, as, as a lot of people are moving here or other places like this. I know, like Joe Rogan. He's mm-hmm. moving right now moving to, to Texas. Texas. Moving to that. Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people are moving away from California and Seattle mm-hmm. because of the politics there. 
even the liberals are now moving away because mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very conservative area. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, prices are just skyrocketing. And it's gorgeous. And people are working more yeah. from home than ever. Even jobs you didn't think people could because of the COVID thing. I think there was more creative ways for people to work from home and live wherever they want. So why not yeah. live in this amazing, beautiful place. But. It's an amazing place. The secret's out. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing for the real estate market for us to have such rapid mm-hmm. price appreciation again. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last three years have, have been pretty nutty. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had double-digit appreciation for the last three-plus years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And this year, it just seems crazier. It seems like everything jumped up almost another 75,000 bucks or something just in the, the last price, three months. Yeah. Well, when I started with you in four years ago, I think the average price in Kootenai County was about 240,000 and it's got to be at least 330 now. I haven't checked yeah. it this month, but just and when I, when I started again in 2013, um, the average price was like 174 mm-hmm. was the average. And that'll get you a really good house back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, now if you have a budget under 300,000, Good luck. I know, which is crazy. It's, everything's got, sorry, I'm burping into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking bangs and beer. Um, everything under 300 is just getting multiple offers. Mm-hmm. And um, even fixer uppers don't sell below 250. I know. Even in the Silver Valley, one just hit for 175. They already have multiple offers. I cannot help this young couple oh, that get Joel something. Joel Pearl listing? Yeah. Oh, I saw that today. I thought that was overpriced. They, they got had multiple offers? three offers already, and my Yikes. people have to go FHA. Can't find anything out there that'll go there. But yeah. Anyway. So it's... predictions on what the market's going to do? Um, I'm done giving predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I'm just riding I'm done. and riding. Who knows? I mean, because we've never been through this before. Yeah. We've never seen this much growth in North Idaho in such a short period of time. Like, we've seen a steady growth over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but such a rapid growth in just this little amount of time. We, we haven't seen what the long-term repercussions are going to be of a pandemic yeah. with um, businesses being forced to shut down. Yeah. I mean, my, my gym is now, um, in a couple of days, I have to start wearing a mask at the gym. Really? So I'm, I'm going to cancel that. I'm not going to go Work out run on a mask. treadmill with a mask on and almost die. Yeah, I need to cancel <laughs> Like, I'll, I'll just run outside. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm done making predictions. All I know is I'm, me personally, I'm still going to buy real estate that I feel is a good deal because I feel like um, what long-term mortgage interest rates are doing right now, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's that's an opportunity in, in and of, of itself, just mm-hmm. no matter what prices are doing. Um, as long as, long as it, it can cash flow, of course. Mm-hmm. but anyway yeah Mark. well i was gonna say now that you're done making predictions predict where you'll be 10 years from now <laughs> what do you think you'll be doing 10 years from now you um, will be 43 years old yeah so i envision maybe 10 years from now i'll probably be i'll probably be working on something way different than real estate okay um i i anti- I, I would want to go back to college one day um and become a scientist of some sort. Biologist, I think, makes the most sense. But I, I, I want to figure, um, I, I anticipate myself um, studying something in another country or on another planet one day. 
Wow. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Well, I keep a lot to myself. But (laughs) (laughs) now I'm sharing it in public, but, um, but I will still always have real estate and still be investing, but it probably just won't be my main job that I I keep walking into the office for. Yeah. I anticipate once I, once I have a really decent, solid income and businesses that run themselves, Mm -hmm. then I can go work on something that I feel more passionate um, about. Yeah. Something I feel like humanity needs whatever problems are out there that, you know, whether it's a water problem or a food problem. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, neat. Yeah. I really like that idea. Thanks. Are you going to give me the Thanks whole for interviewing. company? Uh, no, but you'll, get, <laughs> you'll have half. All right. So. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, well, I'm excited to see where this journey goes. And uh, thanks for joining me today on your podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What a pleasure. Hey, and for the people that actually listen to this whole thing or watch this whole thing, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There are way better podcasts out there. Yeah, there are bigger pockets. <laughs> actually, they'll stay on real estate. <laughs> we, we got no, way distracted. No, I <laughs> think we touched on real estate and the mindset that goes with it, which is... Yeah. Part of the problem with all these people that are on bigger pockets and going to the seminars that don't do anything, it does take a certain amount of grit and you're going to get knocked down. Yeah. All of us have been through divorces or have their issues, but and you can dwell on that and do nothing, or you can get after it. And that's just crazy of where you were and how far you've come, you know? And yeah. I think that's a real big inspiration to anybody listening. It's Hopefully. just do it. Take the step and then figure it out. He didn't know what how to get hard money when he found that deal, but you just start networking and asking questions and figure it out. And it's yeah. going to be painful. I've seen you lay down on the floor with your hands on your head with the homestead flip, <laughs> and you didn't want to do it anymore that day, but then you got up the next day and you just figure it out one problem at a time. And I think that resilience is huge, and I want people to take that away from this. Well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to fail to grow. I think that's what they say. That, yeah, they Somebody say embrace that. the failure sometimes, especially in this business. There's tons of rejection and failure. Yeah. People just have to look at it as what's the next step and not dwell in that so much. And I think that or would maybe help it's, a lot. You have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough. That's another, I think that was that's it. That's another good bumper sticker. You got to loose, loose sh- uh, lips sink ships. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on that, everyone. Loose lips and, and snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.